happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording, pre-recording from my Brooklyn solarium. Folks, you know, uh, Omicron is here in the United States, and as of this recording, it is in multiple states. And yet, we've heard nothing so far of the ban being lifted on South Africa or the seven other African nations that this country, as well as many others around the world, decided in their knee-jerk political reactions to put together a travel ban. When asked by doctors, scientists, whether or not a travel ban is actually a preventative medical measure, right? If it is effective in containing COVID-19, their response is no. What actually is effective outside of a racist and politically engineered travel ban is instead putting together quarantine protocols for all people that are coming into the United States, not just those that are foreign travelers, but if you are a fucking American citizen and have been abroad and are coming back to the United States, then you either need to show your proof of vaccination, a recent negative COVID test, your booster information, and in fact, fucking quarantine. Because what has been proven to work is taking the measures that the CDC had outlined back in 2020 that actually do work right? What we have learned is that we are in fact a global community, whether or not we want to function like one at all. And the reality is this, is that before these bans and restrictions go into place, COVID, Omicron has already done laps around the fucking globe. So maybe you would think that we would learn something from our past transgressions because of the Trump administration and actually be informed by science and by medicine in the way that this administration said that it would be. Except that's not what's happening. Is that again, we are having very tepid responses. We had a very botched rollout vaccination program and look, You have roughly close to 60% of the country, right, being vaccinated. 
But we also know that it's 25% of the country that is never going to get vaccinated. And we also know that, yes, Donald Trump is to blame for that. One of the questions that I had asked of Glenn Kirshner earlier this week was, if in Mark Meadows' book, right, that we learned that Donald Trump knew days before he was around uh, then-candidate Joe Biden and around reporters on Air Force One and just knowingly in the Rose Garden spreading, spewing COVID-19, how come he is not being held criminally liable or civilly liable, right, for doing so? Where we are right now, is in a nightmare of what I believe to be our own creation. And why do I say that? Because there were opportunities, there were even opportunities post Donald Trump for us to do better, for us to come together as a globe battling this health pandemic and recognizing that, you know what, pharmaceutical companies making billions upon billions of dollars while millions upon millions of people are dying, maybe isn't where we need to put our energy and resources that maybe instead, as soon as we were able to have the properties, the intellectual properties that would make the MRNA, that would make the vaccines that we are readily using in high income countries, that we would decide as a global community that no one pharmaceutical company should have a monopoly on making money when we have a virus that is ravaging the fucking globe that literally had us as a world shutter our doors for months and months on end. Thinking that we didn't even know we're washing fucking cardboard. We're putting on plastic gloves and double masking and being afraid to cross the street and cross somebody's path. Do you remember all of the ways that we were acting in 2020 because we didn't know what the fuck was going on? But now given all the information and research that we have been provided with, we are still acting in ways that are very knee jerk and as if we have had no experience over the last almost two goddamn years. South Africa and their scientists did their due diligence because they have very advanced genome projects, right? To be able to detect this new variant. And instead of being celebrated for their transparency, right? For their initial documentation of how this virus is working in people, in those that are infected in these nations, we shutter our doors. And then we turn around and we continue on with bullshit policy, right? That was created to protect corporations and not protect people. And this is again, where I'm talking about trips, Right, I'm talking about the international property decision that was made that says that you can't share, right? That we can't void out because the intellectual property that was created via Pfizer and Moderna is theirs and theirs alone. But these are government funded fucking pharmaceutical companies. And we're in a global health pandemic. So when India and South Africa request 
right? Eight months into the pandemic, for there to be a waiver to this policy program so that they can receive all the information that is necessary to begin to manufacture a vaccine to save their country. But instead, we're waiting on the philanthropic desires and the charities of higher wealth nations who are responsible for the economic, spiritual, emotional damage that has been done to these nations through their greed and extraction. And now they can't be bothered to do the right thing And there's no way to legally compel them to do so because they're the ones that are writing the rules that are telling other, dictating how other people are going, other countries are going to live by them. How does that make sense? And how does that not piss us all off? Because we see exactly how the fucking ultra wealthy get away with so much goddamn shit in America. And it's the same thing that high wealth nations do to the lower wealth nations around the globe. Greed is what is driving all of this. It is not the sanctity of fucking life that the GOP had the audacity to tweet out last week as it pertained to Roe v. Wade, because it sure as fuck wasn't about caring about the sanctity of life of the four teenagers that were gunned down. In Oxford, Michigan, it sure as fuck wasn't caring about the sanctity of life when celebrating Kyle Rittenhouse, a fucking murderer. It sure as fuck is not caring about the sanctity of life when you are advocating for people to put themselves in harm's way, when you yourself are covered and protected. It is vicious. It is cruel. It is criminal. And yet no one is being held accountable. You know, I mentioned a couple of days ago, once again, the president of Brazil, Bolsonaro, whose Senate was investigating him criminally. It will most likely not go anywhere because their government is so corrupt, but so the fuck is ours. Where is the investigation into who should be responsible? This was not an act of fucking God. This was an act of negligence, of gross negligence on the part of the former twice impeached, disgraced president of the United States. Who him himself became a vector for this virus and once again is just able to get away with whatever the fuck he wants. And you want to tell me to continue to have hope and feel like we are moving in what direction exactly? We are just gobbling up the Greek alphabet in the way that Pac-Man gobbled up those little beads, right? Just going around, munch, 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 here we go. Until Omicron turns into whatever the next fucking disastrous outcome will be. And what kills me and what our guest coming up, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed will say is, We could have been done with this. Like we didn't have to have alpha and then delta and now Omicron, right? Because we could have, I I just, I, the other day I was laying in bed and I can't stop my mind from moving. 
And I'm thinking to myself, what would have happened? Where would we be right now if Hillary Clinton had been president? If the response of what we could do in this country was to come together as patriots, right? If we were told from the jump, we will get through this and we will do so together as one nation, right? If we had started fucking, you know, tying ribbons around trees and shit, right? Like they used to do for the soldiers. And we did that in recognition, right? And showing a force of empathy. And then finally, if the vaccines then had come and been rolled out that we collectively as a nation would be celebrating, right? Our ability to overcome. That's what I imagine would have happened in my head. But, you know, maybe I'm just creating a fantasy because it's not as if Mitch McConnell would have died. It is not as if, you know, Death Santis wouldn't have been around. So I'm assuming that they would have found some way, but at least they would not have had a leader in the White House that was championing death. Right? So without that leader, without that megaphone, cajoling his cult. Maybe Republicans would not have decided that their response to a global health pandemic would be to tell their constituents to literally go play in traffic. I I remain, you know, a lot of days beside myself where I just get caught up and I think about how things could have been so drastically different if 53% of white women didn't vote against one of their own. I think about, you know, Ethan Crumbly, the high school shooter that murdered four of his classmates. And I think about the letter that his deranged mother wrote to Donald Trump saying that she would rather be grabbed by the pussy than fucked up the ass by the federal government. And thank God, Donald Trump, for giving me my guns. Because I guess he was in the room where it happened, where the Constitution was being written. This is American extremism. And, you know, folks want to tweet and want to say, oh, this is going to be Christian Sharia law. Leave the fucking... uh, uh, Islam culture and out of all of this, this has nothing to do. You don't need to make comparisons to other places, right? This is what America has always done. But you see, when you keep people ignorant of their fucking history, purposefully so, just in the same way, you don't teach enslaved Africans how to read, Right? Because then they become educated and you really realize that education is power. And the more that they learn about the constitution and the rights of this country, the more that they're going to ask, well, am I, am I a man too? Am I a woman too? Am I a citizen too? Where the fuck are my rights? So we always love to compare what is happening to America, to the worst that has happened in other nations, when we can just compare it to the founding of America, where we can take any fucking generation 
and pull out and see where we have always run on the space of violence, of ignorance, being bliss. Over 700,000 Americans are dead and you have Republicans in this country still calling this a hoax. Over 700,000 Americans are dead. And as we move through the holiday season, 700,000 families and friends have missing people at their dinner tables, in their living rooms, gifts that won't be put under the tree. because a a virus ravaged them. But we have Republicans who believe that the world is suffering right now as a way to unseat them from power. That's how self-serving and egotistical and disgusting these people are. Like I said yesterday, this does not end well, folks. Because I, there is no, nothing to point to in our history that tells us that, oh, we can have peace, peaceful transition. America doesn't know peace. America only knows bloodshed, war, violence. It's what is celebrated. You know, every time that I see somebody with a sticker on their car, talking about go ahead and take it and it being a picture of an AR-15. Everything about America is based on some fucking stupid cowboy John Wayne bullshit, right? And really what it is about, if we really want to unpack it, is about white male fragility, right? Toxic masculinity masquerading as patriotism. But we've all bought into the lie. We've all been force-fed that story. And so you see these fragile white men, boys, arming themselves because that is the only way that they feel a sense of power. And one must ask themselves a question that Toni Morrison asked so many moons ago. If you have to stand on somebody else's neck in order to feel taller, what does that say about you? But you see, so long as they have an active political party that is giving them their targets, revving them up in the same way that Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and Mo Brooks and others at the Stop the Steal rally revved up that crowd and then pointed them in the direction of the Capitol building and said, go take your country back. These people, every single fucking one of them are responsible, are murderers, have blood on their goddamn hands. We are in a place of despair. We are witnessing the fracturing of a nation state. 
the anxiety that you feel, the uneasiness, the grief, because we are all vacillating through those. This is, this, it, it, it is how you process death, the stages of grief. And we're still at avoidance where we want to pretend that this shit isn't happening. But regardless of whether or not we pay attention or not, it is. And how it ends, I still believe is up to us. But inaction is not an option. Burying our heads in the sand is not an option. Pretending that something is a hoax when it is killing your neighbors, your friends, and your colleagues is not an option. Who do we want to be? What's the legacy we want to leave behind? Because I sure as hell know that I'm not going down without a fight. And I don't think any of you who listen to Woke AF on a regular basis are either. But what about the people around us? We bear a responsibility to spread the word and to wake people the fuck up. That's the burden of being woke. That's a burden of being conscious is to then find the ways in which you can spread that word. Because without that collective action, without that low level lift, we're going to be swimming in a sea of the debris of our democracy. And I don't want to see that. Coming up next is my conversation with our friend, returning guest, Dr. Abdul El Sayed. Folks, I am so excited to welcome back to Woke AF. It has been a little bit of time. Welcome back to Dr. Abdul El Sayed, who is the host for At Crooked Media's America Dissected Pod and is our public health doctor. If you are not following him on Twitter, railing against our public health system, railing against um, what is happening to our democracy, then you are missing out on really great content. Um, I feel like there is not a day that has gone by when we haven't had bad news. But I will tell you that the day after Thanksgiving, when my phone, my parents' phone, because I was home for the holiday, alert, 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 we have a new variant. Um, I just want to get you, what your reactions were, because mine was, I wanted to throw the phone out the window. I was just like, dear God, right? Like, you know, we, we're struggling. We've been, we've been stuck uh, at a certain number of vaccinations in this country. We have given to the world, but I will go into my feelings about what it is that that should have looked like versus where we are right now. But what was your reaction to that breaking news? No, it was deja vu all over again. I remember back in uh, back in the summer when we'd heard about Delta. And the reality of this is that these uh, these variants, they are a natural course of a virus if and when we don't do what we can. Uh, to address it. And so, you know, the the knowledge of a new variant that, you know, could potentially be, uh, and, and circumstantial evidence suggests is more transmissible, could potentially uh, escape some of our uh, immune mechanisms. That, that really is um, super frustrating. And then when I heard about the response that the administration had uh, had gone forward with, it just seemed to be the same kind of 
knee-jerk reflex response that uh, that fails to make up for the fact that we in this country have not been able to mount a real public health response to this virus from the get, whether it was anything as simple as contact tracing or uh, mass scale antigen testing or uh, the ability to uh, upgrade our genomic surveillance or uh, to have a logical approach to screening and uh, and quarantining people who come from outside this country. You don't just blanket ban people. What you do is you make sure that uh, if they're coming in, that they're quarantined for a certain period of time, which of course is what other countries who've had a far better response have done. And so it is just deeply frustrating to see our uh, our country making the same mistakes over and over again, um, even as uh, the consequences of our failure to get our uh, vaccines abroad in a meaningful way, to invest in uh, manufacturing capacities abroad so that people can make their own vaccine uh, have rendered a uh, yet again a new variant um, that we're now contending with. And of course, it's a global pandemic. So what happens across the world is going to come back to hit us. And this is happening again. You know, I feel, Abdul, like this is it, it is just to me that we haven't learned anything over the past year. That that's how I felt about the re, the knee-jerk reaction because I said when we have doctors and scientists in South Africa that are doing their due diligence and being transparent, right? About this is what this is what we have found, this is what we are say, seeing. And we knew that when that announcement came out that yes, Omicron had already been in seven nations in Africa, but it had also already traveled to Europe. And so it, it's, it, it's, we continue to make decisions that are based around politics, right? And who in fact is expendable, but who is our ally that we want to be buddy, buddy with. And I'm like, to me, how do they continue to justify Right. Like it isn't just public sentiment. Oh, we see this because we know that once it, we, we, we know that once something is discovered, wherever it is, if it is in Wuhan, China, if it is in Italy, if it's in South Africa, if it's in, it's going to get here. Right. So why is it that you think that they continue to make this, these decisions and then are not made to be accountable or responsible for giving us the public the why? Yeah, that's a really important point, Danielle. I mean, the reality of this is that they wanted to look like they were doing something to make right. up for the fact that we have not, through the course of this pandemic, been doing the very thing that we should have been doing from, from the get. And uh, these kinds of basic public health infrastructure uh, pieces, whether it was uh, ramping up our genomic surveillance early, whether it was uh, putting in place a thoughtful quarantining approach uh, that would apply to anybody coming over. Because of course, the thing about these travel bans, just to, just to take a little bit of, a, of, a, of mm -hmm. a, uh, a, a byway here, the thing about these travel bans is they only applied to non-citizens. But it's not yep. like citizens uh, somehow weren't uh, potentially being infected with Omicron. And here's the thing about it. It's not like whatever capacities Omicron has, one of them is not reading your passport. Um, and so if you create a policy that then incentivizes people who could be infected to hurry on home because they could be next, all you're doing is activating the potential for that to happen. And um, unfortunately, right, uh, we have not been able to do the very basic things well from the jump when it came to this pandemic. Now, look, a lot of that uh, is because of who was president when this pandemic first uh, occurred. And a lot of that is uh, you know, set the pathway forward. And um, you know, I, I talk to my public health colleagues all the time and they tell me just how overworked 
uh, and, and under-supported they really are. And so it's very hard once we uh, started this pandemic on the back foot to catch up uh, and really to, to move beyond where we were at the very beginning because people are leaving the public health profession in droves. And yet, and yet, we are trying to make up for our failure to do the very basic public health things well by uh, putting, in effect, PR over it uh, and mm-hmm. looking like we've done the thing that we're supposed to do. The travel ban uh, was not a thoughtful policy in the beginning, especially in the context of an ongoing debate about whether or not U.S. taxpayer-funded companies should be uh, required to give their intellectual uh, uh, intellectual property out to other countries to allow them uh, to uh, manufacture a, a, a life-saving vaccine uh, in the context of a pandemic. Now, look, you know, you could argue, well, look, it's a company. They don't have to give their private intellectual property out to anybody. Well, that's not entirely the case when this company was founded by the U.S. government intended to protect us. And our failure to do that thing, our failure to manufacture uh, enough uh, of our uh, of our vaccines abroad uh, has, has left people without the vaccines they need and left them not trusting what they have that's coming from our country. And that's an important point here. Don't forget, right? There is context for this. South right. Africa was one of the yep. hardest hit countries by the HIV pandemic. And yes, it is a pandemic. We don't call it that simply because we devalue the lives of the people who are infected by it, whether they were, mm-hmm. uh, they were LGBTQ people at home uh, or black people abroad, but it was a pandemic. And it was, there was a long history of the U.S. denying our antiretrovirals uh, to people living abroad until, of course, uh, there was a negotiated agreement to allow South African corp- companies to manufacture their own antiretrovirals, which is when the population there started to trust them. Um, and so, you know, folks are, are pointing to, well, South Africa has enough vaccine uh, and it is really just vaccine hesitancy. Uh, well, that's not entirely the case. There's a path dependency to vaccine hesitancy. People don't just become hesitant. They, they become hesitant because of long histories of medical chauvinism uh, and denial of basic human rights when it comes to medications in a pandemic. And yeah, that that may uh, keep them from trusting you the next time around. And here we are the next time around. You know, it, it was it was you know, last week when I was for the first time talking, m- mentioned trips, right? Because I kept saying to myself and, and, and for folks, if a reminder, it is trade related aspects of intellectual property rights, trips. Um, and I kept saying to myself, there is no way that in these G7 meetings, in these, you know, what I now are referring to as global publicity stunts, right? To make us all believe that our world leaders are actually working together. Um, that both India and South Africa in October of 2020 petitioned, right? The global community, like the high wealth nations to say, we need you to void trips so that we can have the capacity and we're not sitting around waiting on your charity and your philanthropy of good heart for you to do what it is that you're telling the world you'll say that you'll do. The EU said for, for, for months, oh, we're going to provide X amount of hundreds of millions of doses. We're going to provide this, that, and the other thing. And every time I see Biden on the news, he talks about how the U.S. has done more than everybody else, but nobody else has actually shown up. So how is it that they can continue to not have a, a, a vote, a conversation on something that is necessary. And all I say, and what you've been saying on social media, this it's just greed. 
This this is this is capitalism. This is the world being run by the, the Wall Street uh Gordon Geckos of the world that are going to just continue to make money off of death. You know, the the point that you're making is is spot on. Look, <laughs> You know, we, we know for a long time, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats forever. This is not about giving vaccine to other people. This is about doing what we should have done from the very beginning and empowering them to make their own vaccine in the first place. And the only reason we are not doing that is because of these international patent agreements, which there is precedent to break in the context of a global pandemic. We've done it before. And the only reason we're not doing it is because of the lobbying of major pharmaceutical corporations, both of the United States government and of European governments abroad, who tell us that somehow the innovation that uh, we've come to expect won't happen if, uh, if, if we violate these agreements. But here's the problem, is that that innovation occurred in government-funded laboratories. Moderna, Moderna was a government-funded project. And when they applied mm. for their patent, you know what they did? They excluded... Folks like Dr. Kizmikia Corbett, right, the NIH uh, government scientists who were so critical uh, in that discovery because they knew that if that patent was under uh, the, 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 the titles of, of, of government scientists, that it may complicate their ability to operate as a private corporation. And what we're seeing here is the problem of that handoff. And it happens all the time here at home as well. This is not, this is not something that we don't, we don't face here at home, sure. Vaccines are free. And look, if you have, are not vaccinated and not boosted yet, you better go on and make sure you do that mm -hmm. thing, okay? So I, you know, don't, nobody tells you that, uh, Abdul, I'll say, missed an opportunity to tell you to get vaccinated. Please, <laughs> right. please get your vaccine. That being said, right, how many medications are mission critical for people's lives that people go without simply because uh, some corporation has put an absurd dollar value on it? You know, insulin, the patent for insulin was sold for a dollar by... Uh, the folks who discovered it in, in Toronto, they sold it for a dollar. And their reasoning was that insulin belongs to everybody, right? This is a human discovery that can empower diabetics to live a long, healthy life. How could we, we, we put it behind uh, our own greed? And now you routinely see corporations spike the price on insulin simply because they can, because people need it, right? That's what economists call an inelastic demand, meaning they know that people are going to pay what you ask them to pay because they have to. And so mm. they just exploit that day in and day out. And that affects people at home. And right now it's affecting people abroad and it's affecting their trust uh, in the very vaccine simply because they say, well, look, you have a long history of nickel and diming me for the things that I need to live my life. Why do I trust what you're sending over? And if we were just to allow these uh, these South African or Indian-based manufacturers, who, by the way, everybody tells you that they, they, they don't have the capacity to do this, they make a lot of the generics that we we take here Yep. Uh, at home. They have fantastic capacity. And frankly, if you walked into a, a laboratory in the United States, most of the folks who you're going to see are going to be coming from abroad, right? They're folks mm -hmm. who, who immigrated mm -hmm. here in the first place. So don't tell me that they're not smart enough or capable enough to do it, right? Um, uh, we're just denying them the capacity to do it simply because Moderna wants to continue to make billions uh, in profit. And that's exactly what they've made already. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Just don't do that at the cost of people getting their medications in the first place and don't allow it then to take that money that you've made to then lobby the very government that created you, right? Uh, for policies that, uh, that, that ultimately harm people uh, and keep this, this mission critical medication out of their hands. Uh, and so we, we've really got to rethink the way uh, that we regulate corporations that, uh, that, that, that make money off of government funded research projects that, that wind up becoming pharmaceuticals that people need.
You know, I just find, you know, it just is, I'm so disgusted, right? And there are some times when I'm just at a loss for words. And, you know, when I recognize that everything that is playing out on the world stage right now with high income nations versus low income nations, it is the same shit that plays out every day in America, right? Where you have the wealthy 1% that are able to make decisions, to withhold, to, to, to grind to a halt, like anything that they want, right? Because they have the resources to do it. And we, the rest of us are just at their whim, at their mercy, right? You have, you know, I, I said this the other day on social media, I said, you know, you have, how, how much would it take? You know, how much money would it require in order to vaccinate the world? right? In order to get, you know, all of these shots. And I asked that question as we had wall to wall coverage of the billionaires of the world in a space race. Meanwhile, people are dying, right? Over 700,000 people in the United States have died. Millions have died worldwide, right? And we're continuing to wring our hands and pretend like we haven't learned, like we haven't learned anything. Like we don't get what is at the core of this. And I said, the travel ban, what is at the core? Racism. It is, col- it, it is the colonizer's mindset, right? And it is, and, it, and we are looking again at, at these nations who have been extracting for generations, extracting from these places. And then when they are in need, and it's not just their need, it is a global need. There's, there's no acknowledgement of that. You know, Danielle, I, I, I was, uh, when I said that I'm okay with them making billions, I actually take that back. Like this was a government funded research project. We, the American taxpayers invested in the time and the effort and the money that it took to employ really capable scientists to devise a way to leverage mRNA technology to create vaccines for emergent pathogens. The federal government should be in the business of taking this the next step and making sure that everybody has it here and abroad. Because here's the thing about it, right? Here's the thing about it. Mm-hmm. You're right that we should care about other people in other countries simply because they're people. We should. We should care that a child uh, in India or an elder uh, in South Africa has their vaccine against a pandemic disease that has killed millions of people. We should care about those people because they're people. But here's the thing. You don't even have to care about those people. You just have to care about yourself. Because here's the problem. Right. Our failure to invest in getting those vaccines out there, the vaccines that we bought and paid for as taxpayers, means that that the the virus variants that are evolving in unvaccinated bodies abroad are going to come back and take lives at home, right? That, That was the whole point of the investment was that that didn't happen. And we're failing that simply because now we're saying that, you know what, we can give it to some corporation to manufacture it make billions and billions of dollars off of it. So maybe there's some, someday their CEO can figure out how to devise a rocket to take a 90-year-old man to space. And, uh, and, and meanwhile, we're not even accomplishing the end that we set out for, which is to protect people from deadly pathogens that evolve. And, uh, and so we're failing. And this system where we assent to the idea that some major pharmaceutical corporation has to control the intellectual property that we all invested in, is failing us. It's failing us here. It's failing people abroad. Uh, and all of that is coming back and redounding uh, to the detriment of all of us. You know, I, I want to ask you to, you know, with regard, I, I, we're being told by Dr. Fauci, um, by Rochelle Walensky, by others that we won't really know 
uh, the machinations of Omicron for about a month, right? A, um, a month to um, six weeks. Uh, that is how long it will take to do the research, to understand the data, and then to make that and, sh- and share it with the public. But there are some real, real fears. And I, and I want to get, you know, from your colleagues that you're talking to on a regular basis, what are some of the fears that we need? Again, because I, I want to shake the shit out of people. I, I want people to recognize that it matters what is happening across the pond, around the world, because we are a global community. And if 2020 didn't show that to you, then 2021 and 2022 and all the years that we continue to be in this, right, it it, it will keep hitting you on the head until you get it. So just tell folks, you know, what are some of the things that you are hearing from your colleagues? Well, I want to I want to stick to the the facts on this here. Um, you know, the hard part about science is that it is a process. It's not a body of knowledge. Nobody can pull out the coronavirus book and be like, we turn to page three hundred fifty two and be like, all right, here's the Omicron variant. Here's what's happening with it. This is new. We we are dealing with it. And so, science is a process by which we understand the world by asking questions and testing hypotheses. And so, I do think it's important for us to to be prudent about what the science is telling us. That being said. A lot of the circumstantial evidence that we are getting from just a, a very simple um, biochemical analysis of this variant suggests to us that it's taken all of the greatest hits of COVID-19, all of the worst aspects of beta and delta, and added some on top so mm. that this variant has the potential to be both more transmissible uh, and also uh, more likely to escape our immune response. I want to be clear about something, though. It's not likely to fully escape our vaccines. I don't want folks okay. leaving this interview mm-hmm. saying, ah, mm-hmm. well, this, this variant is going to render our vaccines ineffective. No, that's not true. It's, it's just possible that it might render them less effective. Um, right. and, and it's not a good thing simply because most folks now, right, are in the process of uh, having been either doubly vaccinated or on their way to getting a third vaccination, which, by the way, let me just say it again. If you haven't gotten your booster, please do get your booster. Um, but 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 if if that's the case, then it has the capacity uh, to really create yet another surge uh, in our country. Now, here's the other side of it. We don't know how severe this variant is going to be. And if you look at, you know, if you permit me to personify a uh, non-living virus for a second, mm-hmm. if you're a virus, your goal is to spread to as many people as possible. You don't really care if you make them really sick. You just care that you infect as many people as possible so you can replicate yourself as many times as possible. That's the goal, right? And so it makes sense that a virus would evolve toward transmissibility. That just makes you better at being able to infect more people. But it also makes sense that the virus would evolve for reducing severity. Because after all, if you're too severe, you kill too many hosts and then you don't spread. And if you're also too severe, then you change the host behavior because they get really sick and and they tend to be bedridden and and not want to go and spread the virus. So Mm -hmm. what a virus tries to do, in effect, is to evolve away from severity and toward transmissibility. And so we've got some early circumstantial evidence that suggests that cases of Omicron are relatively mild, uh, which is something to hang your hat on. But again, none of this is rigorous. We've got to wait for the science because science is a process, is not a body of knowledge. And circumstantial evidence is just that. It's just circumstantial. Here's the thing, though. We should be over with this pandemic. We could have been over with this pandemic. If we were willing, the way to think about a vaccine is like putting a blanket on a fire, right? You, you can't just slowly feed the blanket to the fire because right. then the blanket just becomes something that the fire eats versus right throwing the blanket on the fire all at once. That's what we should have done when it came 
to COVID-19. That's what we could have done when it came to COVID-19. We just did not do that thing. We did not do that thing because we were unwilling to put the well-being of people abroad ahead of the profits of major corporations. And we did not do that thing because we have, unfortunately, a strain of uh, you know, pseudo-fascism in this country that says that if dear leader didn't say it, it's not true. And so it's made itself opposed to everything from science to uh, to, um, to 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 journalism uh, and anything in between, and uh, and so you have a large swath of our country that just denies that the pandemic is even a real thing, even though they want to blame I don't know Dr. Fauci and whomever else for its emergence in Wuhan, but it's not a real thing, and you shouldn't take a safe and effective vaccine to treat it. This is the logic. So uh, we're being unfortunately uh, prolonged in our experience of this pandemic because of uh, the the failure to get this vaccine abroad and the failure. Uh, to take on the strain of anti-science uh, and anti-logic uh, in our own country at, at home. You know, it's just, it, it truly is depressing. But I, I have to say, you know, once again, I'm always so appreciative when you make the time to join us on Woke AF to, to just bring some, you know, clarity to where we are, because I feel like a lot of people feel crazy. I know that I did when I saw the breaking news. Um, and so to really contextualize how we got to this place, it's not enough to just, for me, to just figure out these different tactics that are mostly pomp and circumstance and PR, but to really honestly understand how we got here, right? And that it isn't just like Donald Trump being negligent or Bolsonaro being negligent and not caring about their people, but it's an entire ecosystem that is based around capitalism and greed that has gotten us here as well. Dr. Abdul El Sayed, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF, and we hope to have you back again soon. Hey, it's always a privilege, and I hope that sometime I get to come on and I don't have to talk about the you know, bad things that kill people. Like, I, I want to talk about sunshine and lollipop. Someday maybe we'll get there. Maybe in 2024. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, on that note, <laughs> appreciate you. Folks, that is it for me today on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your 
your perfect home sweet home. 